No. No heaven and hell. Just where is our hope? I think for too long in the church there's been a lot of preaching, and I include myself in this, of what you must do and what you mustn't do. Kind of style preaching, you know what I mean? The what you must do, the what you mustn't do style preaching. And then we discovered through a wonderful covenant that the only thing that pleases God is faith. And it's faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So this whole thing of identity comes into play. Because who am I? And we spoke last week a little bit about being the real you. But the whole subject of identity comes up. Because now the preaching isn't so much about what you must do and what you mustn't do. As it should be about who you are. In Christ. Because of His finished work. So I want to try and tailor my... my my preaching, not to tell you what to do and what not to do, but to tell you who you are. Will that help? And a starting place here will be just an introduction, a search for identity, is three points. Firstly, identity lost. We know that God created man in his own image. Interestingly, when he created the fish, he spoke to the water. When he created the the, the birds, he, he spoke to the sky. When he created the animals, he spoke to the land. But when God created you and me, he spoke to himself because we were created in his identity, in his image. Okay? Then we know the whole story. Being allured by temptation into trying to become what they really were. On the day you eat thereof, you will be like God. Man tried to find his own way of through uh, the knowledge of good and evil to become like God. So through shunning evil and doing good, we can become like God. Man wasn't content to just have God declare you in my image. He tried to become something that he wasn't. And in that we talk about the fall of man. It's man uh, falling out of right standing with God, and 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die. How many sins did you have to commit to be a sinner? Zero. All who are in Adam die. And the second part is the positive news, but we'll come to that a little later. Secondly, there is a search for identity, because now fallen man is restricted to his his five senses. So the search for identity, point number two, is man now on this earth, this terra firma, through the senses of touch, taste, smell, see, all that information put into the educated idiot box, I mean the CPU, brain, mind, which now governs his interaction in a physical realm. There's a search for identity. So what does that search consist of? What I look like, how I feel, what you think of me, all those psychological things. There's a search for identity and the Bible refers to our flesh. That's who we are in our sense realm as we negotiate. Cut off from God, so spirit is dead. Now all we have is a sense realm that we navigate through through our senses and our mind is kind of the, the central processing unit of this, this, this wonderfully created, fantastic organism called the human flesh, the body. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians that None of you were noble according to the flesh. None of you mighty through the flesh. None of you uh, of 
of noble birth according to the flesh, but God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. In other words, the flesh has an ability to establish an identity by virtue of your family line, who's your parents, what schools you went to, what suburbs you grew up in, what your intelligence ratio is, your strength, your physical appearance. We, ident- that, that, that for most people is their identity. And there's a search for identity. That's why people join gangs and groups and clubs and churches and all kinds, because they want an identity. Man lost his identity, created an image of God. He tries to restore it. Uh, even Paul says in Philippians 3 that, you know, according to, I was born uh, Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on this eighth day of the t- t- tribe, uh, the, the right tribe of the right intellectual group, blah, 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 blah. All those things are kind of rubbish because he discovered there was another identity which was his identity with Jesus Christ and we looked at these things last week, so I don't want to go into detail. They are on the website. Alright, if you don't believe they're from the Bible. So Paul found, but then Paul gets a frustration. Even though, according to legalistic righteousness, he was so holy, he knew in his own heart there was a struggle going on. Remember we read, the things I want to do, I don't do. When I want to do good, I don't do good. When I want to do this, I don't do it. It's, he had this like schizophrenic, oh, I want to do righteous things, I want to do good things, that's the real me, but I just can't do it problem. Remember Romans chapter 7 in your Bibles. And then we see point number 3. Identity was restored. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For those who have been born again, for those who have identified with the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a miracle takes place where what was dead is made alive. That which was cut off from God is made alive. And our new identity comes from who we are in Christ and not according to the flesh. Romans 6 verse 3 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Say new life. That's what we call to live. We call to live a new life. And this miracle happened when we were born again. Salvation isn't to make bad people good people, naughty people better people, terrible people happy people. It's to make dead people alive. We are new creatures. We are born again to God. We are in Christ as I've illustrated so often by taking a piece of paper and saying this was you before you were born again but now you're in Christ God relates to you as a new creature. But that doesn't mean if you open up and take a piece of paper out, that's an ugly, poofy, sinful, detestable you. And, oh, you're so lucky that God has put you in Jesus. Sweet Jesus, meek and mild. No, when you were placed in Jesus, you became one with Jesus. Even when you open that book, that's a new creation. It's a new you. It's 100% righteousness, but you are in Christ. And God now relates on this basis. You died, were buried, were raised again to a new life. That new life is the real you. That's the person you really are in your heart. Now the mind needs a whole lot of unconditioning and renewing because the mind got contaminated with all the stuff that went on in our lives and... I'm just putting it in context. In summary, in first Adam, I sinned because I was a sinner, but my good works couldn't change who I was. 
Then I, was di- then I died with Christ when I received His death, crucified, buried and raised to a new life. And it wasn't my works that changed my identity. It was faith in what He did that changed my identity. So first man, I had a fallen identity because of what? First Adam sinned. Last Adam, Jesus Christ, when I put my faith in Him, my identity changes, not by what I've done, but by my faith in Him. And now I'm a new nature, say new nature, who wants to do the things that my new nature wants to do. And, and this is very important for us to understand that there's a challenge here because we still get tempted. And now we get confused in our mind because when I get tempted and I think, oh, that's just me again. Or if I fall into temptation or, do, or sin, the moment I take responsibility for that, then I've said that it's my new nature that sinned. And what I've got to learn to differentiate between is what the, the flesh desires... Because there still sin, still lives in the world, and it still has desires. Not all of desires of the flesh are evil, and, and as we saw last week, they're not. They're neutral. The desire to eat, the desire to sleep, the desire for sex, the desire for rest—all those things are are body things, and they're not bad. They're neutral. But all those things in excess or out of their parameters are sin. So sin uses the flesh to entice us away into destructive behaviors. And we left feeling, well, that's just me. Why am I like that? My father was like that. Maybe I'm just like my father. And if we don't differentiate that, that's not like you. It's not like the new created you, but your mind, just as Billy Graham once said, just because a thought came to you doesn't mean it came from you. There are other sources of temptation, the world, sin, that appeal to the flesh, that if our mind receives them as our own thoughts, we take responsibility for them and we feel guilty. But when we learn to differentiate, and we're going to look in a moment at an example of this. So, just that summary. In first Adam, we had an identity. In Jesus, we had a new identity. Our new nature that He's given us wants to do the things He wants to. Now can we turn back to Romans chapter 7 in our Bible. Every time I read this, I think, next week I'm going to move on, and I read it again in the week, and I feel the Lord say, you haven't got it yet. See, I've got to get it first. And I'm a slow learner, so you stuck with me for a while. So if you're a bit faster and you're ahead of the game, happy for you. Happy for you. Now Paul found the struggle that even though he was a new creation, and I believe in Romans 7 and he is, but because of temptation and sin, and because you're still living under the law, sin had power over him, and the flesh controlled him. It's not the real you, but this is the experience that you can find yourself having. From verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but... Right. I'm going to... Every time I read the word, the real I, I'm going to lift my Bible up, and the other ones are highlighted... The other R, the R of the flesh that I have to differentiate is underlined in yellow. Alright, verse 15. Are you ready? Uh, anybody? Three of you. Okay. I do not understand what I do. For I want to do... Sorry? 
Alright, let's start again. Sorry, I'm a bit slow here. Verse 15. Or let's go from verse 15. Thank you. I do not understand what I do. For I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the Lord is good. (laughs) As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. The underline, the yellow, is the flesh, okay? The fallen nature. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I found, so I found this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right with me. For in my inner being, I delight to do God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of the mind and the making me a prisoner of the law of sin and death at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And now we move into chapter 8, which is the victory we have through Jesus Christ. So for, for five chapters, or the first five, six chapters of Romans, he's building a case of the new covenant. He then comes to chapter 6 and answers the argument about, can we just carry on sinning? So grace may abound. In chapter 5, he made it very clear that the righteousness we receive is a gift. He made it very clear that righteousness is our new position and we have an abundance of grace. But in chapter 7, he shares a little bit of his secret life of the struggle that he has. And if you've been a Christian longer than a week, hard to those guys who are here, at the supper last Tuesday. If you've been a Christian for longer than a week, you'll know that you experience the struggle from time to time. The mistake we make is we get the I's confused. And we keep on assuming it's I, the new person, who wants to do the I things, which is the flesh, and that leads us into assuming responsibility, which is a downward spiral of guilt and condemnation. Did you get all that? Now you can understand what's taken me a bit longer than a week to understand it. Just quickly, coming up. Some things that the Bible says about the flesh, okay? The flesh is a way to think. The flesh is a way to walk. The flesh works against the spirit. The flesh encourages self-effort. The flesh seeks identity and purpose. We can choose to put confidence in the flesh. So we see when the Bible talks about our flesh, it's talking about this neutral entity and it's talking about all these kinds of things. The flesh is not my old self. My old self was crucified with Christ. My old nature 
was crucified with Jesus. But when I got born again, I still live in a body. So my five senses, my desires, my physical appetites, my physical needs all stay the same. But when my physical appetites begin drawing me away from the purposes of God, and I feel it's just, it's just bad old me, sinful old me, poofy old me, then I'm, I've got a problem. Because now I'm relying on either self-effort or resisting or New Year's resolutions because I really want to be different, you know. I want to follow the Spirit. I want to be like Jesus. And if no one comes and preaches the true truth that I'm already like Jesus in the new man, and the new man is 100% righteous, if I don't get that truth preached to me over and over until I believe it, Every thought that comes to me, I'll assume that came from me, and I'll live in defeat and guilt and condemnation. Christians are in the Spirit, but we can choose to walk after the Spirit or after the flesh. Let's read on. Romans 8, from verse 1. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, so it's in the context. Therefore, in light of the struggle I've been having, in light of this, this challenge of, of, of this, the, the, the struggle with natures, realizing it's not the real me, but sinful nature through the flesh and the world that still entices me, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing we have to settle, that there is no condemnation. And it's now. It's not in the future. It's not one day at the day of judgment. It's right now. There's no condemnation. Verse 2. Because, and he has the reason. Every fact has a reason here. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Thank Jesus Christ that we have been set free. And on what basis were we set free? Verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, or the flesh, as, as it correctly is, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man. That thing that Paul was struggling with, where he says, I know it's no longer me that does it. I can't take responsibility. I know there's sin in my flesh. Jesus condemned that flesh, that sin in that flesh. And he says, verse 4, In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Notice, not by us. Because when we're in Christ, He is the fulfillment of the law on our behalf. We could never fulfill the law. But we now have the royal law, which is the law of love, which now controls our lives. And if Jesus is in us, His love's in us, and His love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Now, I want to just point out something in the original language there. Whenever you see the word Spirit is the word pneuma in Greek, it's, it's not in capitals, but when it's pneumahotheos, which is Spirit of God, it's always capital, because then it's referring to God's Spirit, it's in the genitive, God's Spirit. So it's, it's the Spirit of God, it's a capital. Whenever else it's a capital, it can also be 
small s, which is your new, the real you, the new created you, the spirit that was there, that's now alive, created 100% in holiness and righteousness, the new, the spirit in you. And those two are so close that, 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 that you can't really tell the difference by saying the Holy Spirit's in me and in my spirit, and my spirit's in the Holy Spirit. They, they're almost together. That my desires and the Holy Spirit work together. So I've put little front slash with a small s just to make emphasis here for us. So if we choose to live according to the new spirit that I am, created in righteousness, without condemnation, free, if I choose to live by that spirit, what does it say? Carry on. For those, now, just hold those thoughts in mind as we come to verse 5. Because there's two different words that Paul's going to use. The one is the word according to, and the one is the word controlled by. You'll see it come out now, from verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature, how will you know those who have set their minds, okay, or who are living, always fulfilling the lusts of the, whatever the flesh wants, have their minds set on what that nature desires. So if we're always thinking about what our flesh wants, whether it's to create identity or just allowing sin to take its, its control in our life, it's because we've set our mind on that identity. Alright? And then it goes and says, But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, with their new created Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, have their mind set on what that Spirit desires. When we were worshipping here this morning, See, that's what's so beautiful about worship. Is worship sets something free in our spirits to love God. In that moment, we're not thinking about our ironing or washing. And if we do, we can just say, devil, get behind me. But there are moments where we're just raptured in His presence, where we think, oh Lord, I feel your love. That's your real you. That's your spirit. That's the person who wants to walk out of this church this morning, get in your motor car, and drive down the road. The problem is, whenever we do that, and then we have some temptation come across our path that's appealing to the flesh, it's like food. Is food good? Meat. Meat is very good. Meat is good. Amen? Amen. Flesh loves meat. Flesh loves lots of meat. But too much meat does the flesh no good. Eventually, flesh looks like cow that flesh eat. Flesh not good long term. Flesh cause heart to get tired and weak. So I know that. So when I'm becoming a beast and I keep on thinking, oh, this is just, I can't help myself. I know I should say no to this thing. Whether that's tobacco or alcohol or gambling or pornography or, or, or food or, or, or overspending. I, I just can't help myself. I just can't. That's not true for a born again person. Because the real you is not the person craving. It's, it's when you set your mind on what the flesh wants. Instead of what the Spirit wants. Because when we set our mind on what the Spirit wants, our spirit doesn't have to feel condemned and feel uh, 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 beguiled and feel half worthy. Our spirit can feel totally worthy, totally righteous, totally in His presence. And our spirit needs to tell our body what to do, not the other way around. But you see, this is all the renewing of the mind that's going on. This is why we're preaching this message over and over and over and over. So then it goes on and talks a bit about the mind in verse 6. It says the mind, just a summary here, verse 6, the mind of sinful mind is death, that's where it ends up, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. 
the Spirit love to exercise the fruit. It's effortless for, for not just the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we think, oh, the Holy Spirit's love, joy, peace. It's your recreated spirit that wants to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's natural. That's as natural for your real you as sleep is to your body. And it's, it's sleep is to your flesh. And is sleep a bad thing? It's a neutral thing. If we're always wanting to sleep all the time, can that be a problem? You see? So the mind of sinful... Okay. Verse 7. The, the sinful mind is hostile to God. The flesh. In other words, the, 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 the mind controlled by the flesh is a better translation of sinful mind. Again, it sucks. It's, it's the mind controlled by the flesh. When this flesh dictates to my mind how to think, I'm hostile to God. I can't submit to God. It's impossible. It's impossible for this stuff that's controlling this to be in submission to God. We may wonder why we're just always falling into temptation, always failing, always a miserable situation. And, and, and instead of blaming ourselves, we need to know that the Bible teaches that the flesh has now controlled the mind. That's how you know. And then he changes words, yeah? From according to controlled. Okay, from verse 8. He says, those controlled. The controlled person is the person that it's his identity. He's in fallen Adam first. He's still in first Adam. He's controlled by the sinful nature. He cannot please God. But you, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by the spirit. If the spirit lives in you, if the spirit lives in you, if everyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. This is your new identity you in now. So in this new identity, the spirit is in you, and you are not controlled under the dominance. Under the authority of the flesh saying, you do what I tell you to do. If I say too much alcohol, you listen to me. The mind says, this is the real me and this is what I want to do. I'm going to party tonight. I'm going to eat lots of meat and I'm going to get drunk. That's what the flesh tells the mind to think. Over here he says, you don't have that excuse anymore because you are now controlled by the spirit. Because the spirit's inside your spirit and your new spirit can say no to the flesh. That's what he's saying, yeah? Those verse 9, you however are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if you're born again, if you're in this new identity. And here, verse 10, oh, this is beautiful. And if Christ is in you, your body is dead. How did your body die? Positioning your body was crucified, your old nature, the flesh, was crucified with Christ. And he says here, because of sin, Jesus died for your sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. This is the new operating system. This is the new position. This is the new nature. Because of right, this gift of righteousness, that's not just like patching up my bad me. It's a whole new me. It's a whole new righteous me. Because of that righteousness, okay? And if the Spirit of Him, Sp Spirit of Him, capital S, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through him who lives in you. I'm starting to understand this a whole lot better. I'm starting, as I'm moving through Romans, I got stuck in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, as I'm breaking into chapter 7, chapter 8, 
couple of things will come up just to help you with the concentration. You see, because there's, there's a mistake we can make as new creation believers. Understanding that the flesh is neutral. It's not evil, but sin can make it evil. Sin is a, a, a force that can make it evil. But we have died to sin. We have a new nature. So number one, it's easy to see why we get confused about the real me, because sometimes it feels and sounds just like me. You walk past that piece of shop and you feel that Oh, it's me it feels Because we are in the body So it feels like me But think with your logical mind now Your recreated new spirit The real you that's alive to God now Does he get hungry for pizza? No So there's an example Nothing wrong with pizza Don't get I mean, hello, hello We didn't get the size by being picky What pizza to eat But So, so But too much pizza Probably not a good thing but that's not the real me that wants that. So, so I've got to understand, just because a thought comes to me, doesn't mean it came from me. I've got to start differentiating between what the flesh wants and what the real me wants. And because often temptation comes, it sounds like my own thoughts and feels like my own feelings. I say, well, that's just me. I've got to do this because it's me. Can you see the mistake I've made? By saying it's me, I've bought the lie that I'm not righteous and holy and a new creation. Because I still believe that I'm a sinner and a puffy, ugly, horrible person deep down, but it's only Jesus on the outside, like crusted over, that makes me good. This is why this message is so important. Because it will give us victory like we've never experienced victory before. Because we're not under law anymore, sin can't be our master. It can't dominate us. Because we're not under the dead, fallen man, we have a new identity that's not based on what we look like, what we do, but based on my true identity, who I am in Christ, His nature, His righteousness. Those are my boasts. Those are the things that give me hope. I'm not ashamed of this message. I'm not ashamed to stand up here and say that even as a young Christian in this flesh, Dictated to this mind while this mind is being renewed. Some terrible things and some patterns of sin. I lived in such a condemned state all the time, feeling I was such a rotten, unworthy person, that God must have loved me a lot more before I got saved than after I got saved. Because before I got saved, He just said, Whosoever come, I love you, I reach out to you. But when I was a Christian, I was such under condemnation and guilt and barely making it. I tell you, I'm not ashamed of this message that comes and says that even during those years, God, my spirit in God was 100% righteous, 100% in right standing, 100% in favor with Him, 100% worthy of going into the throne room boldly where sin could never be tolerated. 100% righteous. But then we want Christians to grow up overnight. We want to get them saved one day and they must be perfect the way we think is perfect the next week. Instead of getting them so grounded in the real them and saying, that's not like you that wants to do that stuff anymore. Let me tell you about the real you. I'm not going to tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. I want to tell you who you are. Because when I tell you who you are and you begin to believe that, you'll be able to differentiate between the real you and the old you and you won't let the old you have authority over the new you and you'll know when you're thinking those thoughts because those will be your gravity and you'll know to come back into thinking these thoughts which is what does my spirit want in this situation. Here I'm, I'm trying to get up my driveway the other day. As I'm getting up, there's roadworks all over the place. Have you noticed? 
And I, I hate being late for a meeting. That's like one of my worst. And the fl- you can actually feel the adrenaline running through your body. It's like tangibly. Here's this big ditch outside my house. There's seven guys on, leaning on picks on this side and seven guys leaning on spades. On that side, of one guy shoveling. Just a joke. Okay. So I drive up my driveway. Well, just before I disappear into this hole, I, I pause. And I feel the adrenaline going through my body. I feel my, these veins starting to pulsate a little bit. Like my wife says when I get angry. And I start feeling this like, my, my, my breathing faster and all this stuff. Now, I mean, I can just change gears and just fly over this whole crew. I mean, in Jesus' name. Now, now, what, what is that? Who is that? Who is this person? Who is this man? <laughs> oh, you see, that goes to show I'm still just an unsanctified person that's becoming like Jesus in degrees of righteousness. No, I found out the truth. I found out that the real me cares deadly squat about getting to the office on time. Actually. It's very important for the flesh. But the real me, I want to keep its word. So the real me, if I say I'm going to see you there at that time, then I'm either there or I'll phone you and tell you why I'm not there. The real me suddenly took a step back and said, my body's getting very excited here. But if I say that's just like me, there I go, just like my father, you know, then I'm assuming that the real me is actually sinful, which is actually despising the spirit of grace. And it's watering down the full gospel. If I think that's the real me, I'm bringing down the level of truth to where I'm at. And I'm saying, Jesus, your work wasn't 100% like you said. Your righteousness isn't 100% on me. I'm just partially righteous. And I've watered down the gospel. I said, Lord, okay, that's not like me. The new me is not like that. I don't want to drive over those guys. I don't want to sweat them. I don't shout them. But my flesh certainly does. <laughs> Immediately, I get this thought. Phone the office and say you're in a traffic jam and just pause your appointments. Oh, there's a thought. <laughs> now what? Wait until I put that thing there so you can drive over. <sighs> and now... Gee, Lord, these are real people working here in the street. I wonder when last these guys had an opportunity to hear the gospel so clearly as the guys on Sunday are. When I'm my righteous self, standing in front and, and being so holy. And you see, the real, the real you wants to know who he is. And I'm here to tell you that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you what the Bible says you are. Because when you believe who you are, it won't be the preaching that says what you do and what you don't do. It will be the real you living the way he wants to. Because when we live according to the flesh, we're not being our true selves. When we give in to sin, we are not being our true selves. I don't think I've got through any of those points, eh? Can I just shoot through them? I really am not going to keep you because I'm really going over time. It's easy to see that one, those five things, okay? We assume because a thought came to us, it came from us. Thirdly, if I sin, I'm believing the lie that it's me that wanted to sin, the real me, and it's not. Number four, 
Then we make the wrong confessions about ourselves. I'm just like my father. I'm a bad person. See, there I go again. And we're fighting the wrong person. Instead of fighting the flesh, we're now fighting the recreated person. And then, of course, we fall into guilt. Guilt. We are new creations that have a new identity with new desires. Because the new covenant made us some promises. Here they go. We have a new heart. We have His nature written in our mind. We have His Spirit living in us. And our spirit is completely brand new. And now, if I walk after the flesh, I'm not being my true self. I'm not being my true self. But someone had to come and tell me this so that I stop this madness of schizophrenia Christianity, feeling like I'm righteous, feeling like I'm unrighteous, feeling like I'm righteous, feeling like I'm unrighteous. Now I'm yet to tell you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ 100% of the time, every day, all day. And if you then say, but what about temptation? Well, I hope I've explained some of that to you this morning. But we can reign and we can be victorious. Let's stand up together this morning. Lord, we thank you for victory in Jesus' name. And it's all about you, Jesus, the wonderful work of grace that you did in our life through the giving of the gift of righteousness in your presence. Holy and blameless we stand, the true us. And Lord, we want to be that true person. No satisfaction will come by giving into the flesh because we found there's a better way. No satisfaction will come in by giving into temptation because we are a new person that's not like us anymore. We are living after you and we want to see your kingdom come in power and glory in the earth today. So as a people, Lord, we resist this opposition that says, oh, you're just preaching grace so you can get away with sin. We're preaching grace because it teaches us to say no to sin and live victorious and victorious in Christ Jesus. So Holy Spirit, even this Pentecost day, would you come right now and confirm the word in our hearts. Confirm the word in our hearts this morning. Confirm the word in our hearts. And all God's people said, thank you Jesus. Amen. God bless. Have a wonderful day.